welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy, Alvi, aka Danny, aka Mr. You Can Too. Today, I am joined by a special guest, licensed mental health therapist, Yariela Sequeira. We have an amazing conversation on what exactly is mental health, how has the mental health industry grown, and her experience as a therapist why she started in this field, how she's seen it grown, and ultimately where she would like to see it go as well. What I love about our conversation that we have is that it shows so many of the parallels that I see with both coaching, what I do, and also her form of therapy in the sense that it's all about helping people find their own answers. And she gives you so many amazing practical tips on how you can do that and how you can better search within yourself to build awareness around your stories and how you can recreate them in a more powerful way. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please share it with your family, friends, and loved ones. It would mean the world to me if you leave a five-star rating and a review of the show. I honor you. I appreciate you. And as always, you can too. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a phenomenal treat. I have my new good friend, Yariela Sequeira, in the building. She's a licensed mental health therapist and just an overall amazing human being. I've gotten the pleasure to know her a little bit more over this last month. And for me, it's so refreshing to meet a mental health therapist who takes more of a in my opinion, a holistic approach to how they look at mental health. So Yari, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, to be listening to you, to be joining. And for all that are going to be joining in, listening to later, welcome. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. And I know they're so happy to have you here. The first place I want to start is really getting your definition of mental health because when i look at health in general i look at it as this entity that is it's so broad it has so many definitions to it and i'm just so curious to see in your profession from your background your perspective how do you describe mental Mental health? health mental health is a term that has evolved from the moment i went to school to study the quote unquote mental health aspect of life into you know something that is definitely bigger and more encompassing nowadays which is mental health is a component of overall health it is some aspect of your well-being and i say some because we have the physical aspect we have the soul aspect we have the mental aspect so the mental aspect of our well-being has to do with the way we feel with the way we think with the way we act but more importantly, the key word in all of that is the way we feel. The way we feel feeds our thoughts. Our thoughts then become this cycle that feeds into and maintains the way we feel. And then voila, we have behavior. So mental health is really translating it into how we feel, how we think, how we behave, and how is that interconnected. I love that. I love that. And I definitely resonate with this idea of how it starts with the thoughts, right? And how ultimately, speaking for myself, many times my thoughts 
create my reality, how I think creates how I feel and how I feel, just, you know, really dictates how I act and then how I act ends up being, you know, how I'm showing up in the world. I'm curious in your work and what you found, what do you think it is about thoughts that really has people self-sabotage or get in their own way? Well, you know, thoughts are a frequency and we normally are not taught to pay attention to the frequency that is being carried or transmitted through this word that we identify as thoughts, right? So when we start paying attention to that frequency, it's like tuning in a radio. Where are we, right? There's nothing wrong with where we're at with that frequency. I'm either at 94.9, whatever, right? There's nothing wrong with any of those dials. It's just what is it that is doing for you? What is it showing you about you, you know? When you tune into 88.1, there's a specific type of music that they play. And if I decide to listen to that radio station, that <laughs> frequency all day long, that music is going to have an impact in me, but that doesn't mean that that music is me, mm -hmm. right? So when I bring awareness to the fact that maybe I've been playing 88.1 <laughs> for most of my life, is there more to that? What has that taught me about me? What that has that taught me about, you know, the quote unquote bad negative aspects of me, of my life? Because, again, from this perspective, there's no negative anything. It's just information about you for you to decide what do you want to do with that? Do you want to expand from that? Do you want to stay within that? Do you want to create something from that? Do you want to, you know, go deeper into that and see what comes from that? So whichever way that frequency, that thought is always there to give you information about you. I love that. I love that. I love how you can really separate this thought from the identity of who one is. And I think it's a great metaphor to use this idea of the frequency that we turn into on the radio, because at the end of the day, we can be on that frequency. We can be at that station for as long as it serves us. But then the second that we realize that it doesn't serve us, understanding that we have the option to go into another frequency, check out another channel and see how does that serve us in terms of moving forward in our life in a way that's incongruence with what we truly, truly desire. desire. Exactly. And you know, from that perspective, if you have been in a frequency for 20 years, 30 years, there's nothing wrong with that. You chose that frequency for a reason. Maybe sometime somewhere along the way, it became a comforting music station. But that doesn't mean that you can stay there forever unless you choose to. And if 30 years into it, you're like, you know, I'm done with hip hop. <laughs> Let me go and yeah. listen to some jazz. Right. right. Then you have that option. You're always, quote unquote, in control. You're always determining, choosing, claiming and honoring where you're at. And some people might, some people might say, but Yadi, I haven't honored where I've been for a long time. And, you know, it's been quite shitty. So whatever you're saying, it's not resonating well with me. Okay, then what I would share to that is 
have you really paid attention to what it's trying to tell you for 30 years? Right. That's it. Mm, that's so fascinating. This idea of paying attention on purpose, having the awareness, having the presence. I'm curious when you're working with people, what have you found to be most effective in actually allowing them to take the time to become present and to build up awareness around their situation so that they can empower themselves as opposed to maybe playing a victim of whatever circumstance they find find themselves themselves in. in. Okay, so I'm going to tie that into what I was sharing at the beginning. You know, mental health frequency, (laughs) it's about heart as well. How are you feeling, right? So what I have found that really assists, supports, and honors the client wherever they are in the moment is connecting to their heart frequency and connecting to that heart consciousness taking the time to sit down close your eyes a little breath work goes a long way you know and when i say breath work it's as easy as just intentionally setting in the way you want to breathe Mm. going at your own pace And with your eyes closed, connecting with that breath, listening to what really comes through. And that's it. Mm. I love that. I love that. I mean, there's so much power in slowing down and being with the breath because it's always there. That's why I love it as an anchor point. Do you find that it takes a certain amount of time for one to who's never done that before, maybe doesn't see the value in it, does it seem to take time for them to adopt that? Or do you find that you know certain people can just pick that up right away and it really opens up the door for new learnings and understandings and about, about themselves? The tapping in is really easy. And everybody on earth that is human can do it. What I see that happens a lot is that the frequency of fear is so present and prevalent that it becomes a distraction, okay? So sometimes we have to work, we don't have to, sometimes we go around exploring what that fear is really about first to to bring the understanding and the awareness that the fear is also there to give you information. Right. So if you allow yourself, give permission to, tap in while the fear is still present, then anything that comes through is okay. So once you give yourself the permission to be okay with whatever comes through, then a lot comes through. Right, Right. that acceptance. acceptance. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I think it's it's a really important concept, um, this idea of acceptance, because I look at that in my coaching practice often And to me, it's this idea of knowing that acceptance is simply understanding that this is what it is right now from a place of fact, but not a place of, you know, trying to interpret the fact and say what the fact means about you as an individual, about a group of people, about anything. It's just what is the matter here? And then once that acceptance takes place of, you know, this is what it is, now that empowers the individual to say, okay, what am I willing to do about this? What's 
in my control? What can I change? What new choices can I make so that I'm experiencing life the way I want to experience it, that I'm working towards the results, results I'm, looking I'm looking to get? To get. Correct. I completely agree with you. Right? And unfortunately, acceptance is something that was not taught in school, right? It's, oh, yeah. you know, you, you failed. Like you yeah. failed your failure. What? You didn't pass the test? No, you suck. You know, those are the messages that usually would come in before. But now I think that as the generations are changing, this new magical term is being honored in its simplicity. And once we bring awareness to the simplicity of it, it becomes totally doable at any moment of the day. I love that. I love that. So acceptance, super, super, super powerful tool. And I'm curious, how did you get into this field? Like, I can tell you're so passionate about it and you're so knowledgeable. And I'm so curious to know, like, what were your experiences growing up that got you to where you are now? Well, you know, I whenever they ask me that, I always share that there's always a story, right? And stories have a way of guiding us into the places where we can find things for ourselves. So the story that started this journey for me was the story of my dad and my mom. My mom experienced a lot of quote-unquote emotional challenges with my dad. He was not... You know, in his best behavior, he he had bouts of infidelity throughout their marriage. There was separations at some point. And I would see my mom go through her emotions. And I would see her feel lonely. And she would share some of those emotions with me. And of course, you know, as a little girl, I'm not quite understanding what's happening. Yet, I want to be able to be there for my mom. And even right. for my dad. Right, because at the end of the day, I love them both. So this story triggered, quote unquote, triggered, activated in me the curiosity of wanting to understand. I want to understand where this is coming from. I want to understand why my dad does this. I want to understand why my mom stays. I want to understand so many things and. In the way, I want to understand how I feel about all of this and what can I do. So that opened up the, the eyes, the road, the path for me to explore through psychology. So I grew up in Honduras. I'm actually from Nicaragua, but I did high school in Honduras. And in Honduras, my high school is not like high school here where you have um, electives. In okay. In our countries, you don't have electives. You have 13 classes that you have to take, and none of them are elective. So one of those classes was psychology, and another one was, you know, anthropology. So through those classes, I was able to tune in to the fact that I really enjoy those, those aspects of the field. And then, because in high school, you know, you have those same 12, 13 classes for the last three years of your high school. So I was able to really determine that I really wanted to pursue that field. So when I graduated, I went straight into psychology and that started it off for me. That's amazing. And then take us kind of through, I guess, the process of, you know, you finish high school, you, you get into college. Has your idea of what you thought you were going to get into versus the reality of what it is now 
was it always consistent or, or did it change at all as you were learning more and more about mental health? Thankfully, it changed, right? The, yeah. There's only one thing constant in life and that is change. Facts. So when I went to school, you know, the, the way they were still educating us in psychology, it was very cl- classic. Like, you know, the, the therapist should not have any... Gesture, um, gestures, facial gestures. You have to be like, you know, still and you can't share anything about you. You can't cry. You can't show any emotion. You can definitely not meet the client anywhere outside the office. You cannot have any type of, you know, relationship past the hour. And it was very rigid. And mental health, as the way they used the term, was very book oriented diagnosing and based on your diagnosing you're pretty much screwed for life right and at first you know here i am naive excited i said yes the dsm is my bible i love it i honor it you know i'm gonna learn everything that's here well as time evolved i realized that the dsm is quite quite limited And it doesn't showcase not even one-third of the things that the human experience brings on. And that the diagnoses are nothing but labels that a group of professionals decided to identify as the ones that are most prominent. So it's very subjective. Therefore, I decided that (laughs) labels were not my thing. And diagnosing is not my thing. My thing is understanding. My thing is looking into where it's coming from. My thing is honoring the story and taking it from there. Mm, I love that. I love that. And was there a lot of, I guess, resistance in your professional career, say? Because I know now you have your your own practice, but before I know you were working as part of a, a larger group. Was there any resistance from the group that you were working with for you to do your work in that way versus the traditional way that it had always been done beforehand? Yeah, so like in many cultures, right, tradition is <laughs> wanted and maintained. So each agency has its own culture and its own tradition. And unfortunately, you know, with no pun intended, the DSM hasn't actualized itself. So there are The agencies that work with that model expect you to diagnose because insurance companies are only going to pay you based on the diagnoses, right? Because if you say the person is A-OK, then they don't need therapy. And if they don't need therapy, we don't need to pay you. So diagnoses, unfortunately, are still being called as something important by insurance companies and grants and anything that has to do with finances around it. So from that perspective, it is very limiting and it's still very much the deal. Yet, in my profession and in my experience, what I'm learning and respecting and admiring is the fact that a lot of therapists out there have awakened to this misalignment. So they are becoming more and more aware that diagnoses are not necessarily the truth and that people should not and quote-unquote should not be labeled for the rest of their life with something that might be just a moment or a face in their chapter 
So in the field, there's this, you know, separation between how <laughs> the financial world handles it, insurances and all those fine folks, and how therapists in the real world are responding to it. That's fascinating because, yeah, I could see, I mean, a lot of times when I'm looking at different aspects of health professionals, especially the ones that take insurance, it's almost like there's certain procedures or things that have to happen in a way that an insurance, a person that's taking insurance has to bill in order to get paid the amount of money that, you know, they're looking to get paid so that their practice can continue to thrive. And for many of the professionals that I talk to, like that's kind of, you know, one of their pain points that they have to maybe, you know, do things or write things that don't feel like they are in alignment with how they want to, I don't know, prescribe is the right way to put it, but, you know, put down. And that causes like, you know, a little bit of inner turmoil. So like, I'd just be curious for you and just, you know, for any other, because we have other health professionals that, that listen to this show and that check in. So I'm just curious to your experience of like, how has it been finding that proper balance for you of like, okay, how do I do the work in the way that I want to do it versus the pressures to do it in a specific way so that you can get like the financial outcome that you're looking for. Yeah. So I have a lot of clients that come in through insurance and I always explain to them, you know, how the insurance process works and what it entails and what it requires. So based on that conversation, you know, I let them, I let them know these are the options for me to bill through your insurance and we establish an understanding and take it from there right and fortunately quote unquote fortunately you know this country is number one in anxiety and depression so it is not rare to have somebody come in that it is that is experiencing an episode or symptoms of an anxiety attack or an anxiety gotcha. diagnosis or a depressive symptom, right? And thankfully, you know, the DSM <laughs> gods decided that they were going to have diagnoses that are called unspecified, which means the person is presenting this set of symptoms, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're permanent. So it's so interesting. It's like, at what point does it, like, does one distinguish if something is permanent or or impermanent? Like, I know you're talking about that a little earlier, but I just find it so fascinating because we are, you know, my belief, you know, we are spirit, you know, spirits with uh, a human body having a human experience, and within those experience is consistent emotions that we are feeling and experiencing and it's constantly changing yet it, it seems like in maybe like the more traditional way of looking at mental health or where it was at so much of that aspect was like okay whatever you get diagnosed as like this is what you are it's not like a a state that you're experiencing that's um, temporary yeah so this is where we have the different spectrum of therapists and their approaches right you like anything or in any industry you know you have chefs and some of them cook amazing and some of them suck all right 
And some of them are really well-intentioned and some of them are kind of burnt out, right? Or some of them really hold on to that, you know, Ramsey way of being in the kitchen, Hell's Kitchen, and, you know, we have to do this the, the old school way because this is how I was taught, so I'm teaching you the right way. So just like that, we have therapists that believe that diagnosis is permanent and forever and that there is no story that activated that and if you look at the story then you'll explore other options just like there are therapists that understand that it's just a story and if you look at the story you're able to expand what is it that was not looked into as part of that story and then shift from that so the moment you shift from within that whatever you were calling quote-unquote permanent is no longer there so different therapists are going to present their belief system or their approach and if the client resonates with that then that's just where the client is at which is amazing because the client is going to find a therapist that serves them Right. But there's definitely a spectrum of therapists with different approaches and different belief systems. So it's just finding the right therapist for the client. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I would love to get a better idea of really like how you describe your approach and how it is that you work with your clients so that you know, we can start to distinguish, you know, maybe your style from the different styles that are out there. Because I would imagine, you know, being a therapist is very much like the analogy that you said with the chef, and is also um, how it is in coaching, where there's just so many different coaches that have so many different approaches. And at the end of the day, it's all about clients finding the coach that really works well for them so that they can get their results. So I would love to hear about your approach to how you like to work with clients. Okay, so thank you for letting me share. When anybody contacts me, the first thing I let them know is that one, I don't take, I don't schedule appointments on first contact, and that's because we have to first determine if I'm the right person for you. So I share my approach in a very simple way, which is the following. Whatever you are coming to explore, What I'm going to offer is that we're going to look into the narratives that have been a part of your story thus far. And within those narratives, we might find that there are aspects of the narrative that were not considered at the time that it was created. So by finding and fine-tuning those aspects, those details, we're going to expand the story And it is from that expansion that your perspective might shift. If it resonates with you, then you get to decide what you want to do with that story, with that expansion, with those options that are now available. And if it doesn't resonate with you, you still get to decide how you want to move forth from that, carrying that story. So my approach is bringing awareness to what is it that you are telling yourself what you have been telling yourself how is that serving you is there anything that you quote unquote missed from that story that would make a big difference if you were to consider it Mm, i love that i love that and what do you find from i guess people that you meet and this idea of like 
okay, you're empowering them to bring awareness to their situation as opposed to maybe the person that is listening just wants to be told what to do. How, how, how do you like navigate those types of situations and ultimately make sure that this person that you're working with is empowered? Okay, so that goes back to the heart consciousness, right? We do, I, well, I do a lot of meditation, guided visualizations, breathing exercises, you know, just practicing stillness and listening to yourself. And through that practice, there's no more, what should I do? It's, this is what I'm listening to myself, telling myself, and this is what's coming up for me. So based on what's coming up for you, the conversation shifts to your options. Mm, I like that. So then from that point, their options, like are they bringing up these options themselves by simply listening? Or is now there's more of like a deeper discussion of them figuring out what these options are? I guess to deeper go into that question, it's like, do most of these people find that their options are innate within them, that they can find it themselves simply by being quiet, being still? Or do you find that there's more that needs to happen in the form of conversation and discovery for them to find find it? it. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything because I could call it brainstorming, right? So we start brainstorming. What, What do you think you could do with that? What do you think are your options? And sometimes the person is going to be like, well, you know, I think, well, this or that. And then just stay with those two. So my role becomes in that moment, okay, what else do you think could happen, right? And I come in to present another perspective that maybe they haven't considered. And by me presenting that perspective, then the question goes back to them. So what, do you, what resonates with you? Right? What do you think within this perspective might serve you? And it is then where the person goes, well, maybe you know this or no, you know what, that, that, no, that's not it. Right? So it's a little bit of everything. It's, it's a play. It's a dance. And it's a beautiful dance where you get to be curious. You get to go down the rabbit hole. I'm a big fan of Alice in Wonderland. Going yeah. down the rabbit hole and just seeing all of the things that are there. And deciding, do I want to drink this? Do I want to drink that? Do I want to be tall or do I want to be small? Right? Which door am I going to open? So it becomes, like I, I tell them, it's a social experiment. And facts, you get to choose. Facts. You get to choose what you're going to do with this experiment. No, I love that. I love that. I love how you always come back to this idea that they get to choose, right? And that ultimately it's all dependent on how they want to view their life, how they want to show up and be in their life, and ultimately how they want to act in their life, right? You're really giving them the power to to decide and make these types of powerful choices. And I think that's really refreshing. Like, I think it's so important for people to stay empowered and to seek help simply to find their own answers as opposed to feeling like they need some type of expert or authority to tell them what to do. Because oftentimes in my experience, it just seems that, man, people are just so quick to, to give their power away, whether that shows up in you know, placing blame 
or whatever it may be, deflecting and putting things on others. You know, there's no there's no changing other people, right? It's like, okay, I feel like I can only change myself and through changing myself then that's gonna change my perspective of the world and maybe by leading by example gives other opportunity to change themselves if that's what they want. But I think it's so important that we're focusing on understanding our own power and what we're capable of and how it, it all comes back down to us and not thinking that it's them or someone else that we need to make us a certain way or to have us live a certain way or to have us change something. Yes, you know, there's this medicine woman, her name is Blue, and she, I think she's British. I'm not too sure, but she once said in a podcast, you know, I'm not a, I don't even tell myself I'm a medicine woman. I just consider myself a space holder. And that really resonated with me because I often tell clients when they're like, oh, thank you, you know, thank you, whatever. I'm so grateful for their words, yet I always remind them, I couldn't have done anything without you. Right. Like, you were the one that decided to share this, to speak about this, to implement this, because at the end of the day, we're meeting maybe for one hour, so the rest of the 23, 17, 16 hours is all you. And within that hour, is all you, because I could preach to you 24 seven, and if you do not decide to do anything about it, I am useless. <laughs> right. So the power is always in the person. The power is always at their hand, in their heart. And I'm just a space holder that brings in the remembering of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's beautifully stated. And for everyone that's listening right now, you know, understand that when you are going out and you're, you're seeking help, it's really a collaboration, right? You get to fully bring yourself to that situation and to be able to openly and authentically share what's going on allows the professional that you're working with to hold the space to allow you to work through what's going on and to maybe get you past your blinders or to see different blind spots that you're not seeing yourself. But ultimately, it's you that has to show up, do the work, go out, integrate, and to be sure that you're congratulating yourself in the process because it takes a lot of courage to step up and to talk about hard, you know, traumatic things that have happened in life. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a beautiful space of, of union, of communion, right? We're coming together in unity with the intention of supporting what it is that you're wanting. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Shifting gears just slightly, you know, it's the year 2022, right? And the history of mental health has been what it is for a very long time, right? And you, you see this shift going on. Where would you like to see the whole profession and dynamic of mental health go in these next 10 years? 10 years. Uh, well, for starters, I would love the DSM to be definitely more inclusive. And by inclusive, I mean state that diagnoses are not forever unless the person wants them to be. And then real quick, can you explain to the listeners what the DSM is? Because I know it because I studied psychology in college as well, but some of the listeners might not know what that is. 
ed means diagnostic statistical manual so it's based on stats and what the stats have shown is you know a conglomeration of symptoms and if you meet these symptoms then you're going to fall in this category based on what we've gathered through the research right but obviously you know the dsm is not culturally inclusive so there is a lot of differences from that aspect so with the dsm recognizing that it's not it's not the bible first and foremost and i think a lot of us already know that but actually having the DSM board or medical staff or whatever it is, say it out loud. That would be amazing, right? Then having the freedom for therapists to practice wherever they want to practice once they have their license. Because another limitation is you're in the state of Florida and you took the test in the state of Florida, you can only practice in the state of Florida. Even though in the state of Maryland, <laughs> it's the same test. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's the same everything. But the limitations are there for whatever reason, and they truly don't make sense to many of us, especially COVID brought that into awareness because a lot of people were, quote-unquote, struggling to find therapists in their areas or a lot of therapists were booked so for a very brief period of time they considered expanding that but they only did it for psychologists which sucks because psychologists a lot of people get confused what is the difference between a psychologist and a mental health counselor or therapist well, the difference is that psychologists have their doctorate and the difference between a doctorate and a master's is that they can give you a test, a personality test, a memory test, or whatever test without any supervision. Mm. That's the only difference. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And even though that's the only difference, um, they want you to still do the first two years of the masters that you already have as part of the PSY program, right? That's so it. it's just a little mm, outdated. So there's those limitations within the board. And I hope to see those that rigidity be released in the near future. I hear that. And just based off of how you're plugged into the industry, do you see that? as a conversation that people are having and that, you know, the board or the, you know, the higher ups, whoever are open to listening to? What does that look like right now? Psychologists have started that. So they're the ones that are fighting for their licenses to be, you know, a little bit more <laughs> inclusive in different states. So they're the ones that are carrying right now that runner up category because the board is listening to them as of now. The social work component of the field is very strong as well. So social workers have a lot of power when it comes to assisting in those limitations because social work is one of the oldest in the field. I mean, social work is the one that gave birth to psychology. So even though they're quite different, you know, we, we that's, quote unquote, our mother. So they have a lot of power too. 
Mm, got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always funny just to see the, you know, just the politics that are always involved in different careers and entities and some things that are just so old and outdated, they stay that way for the simple fact that it's always been that way. But it's, um, I can definitely see as mental health is starting to be talked about so much more openly and freely that I can see how it will expand into this this type of thing where it's not going to look how it's always looked, right? Because I think it's it makes sense, at least in my head, that if we look at how a lot of mental health professionals always worked before, it very much matched the same conditions in terms of how it's talked about broadly. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you go see a mental health professional, you're going to some office, it's enclosed, it's very private, like you know nobody else is around, like it's just you and that professional, and you know, it's very closed off. And I feel like at that same time, that's how people spoke about mental health. You don't really talk about it out loud, you don't really acknowledge that it exists, you kind of just keep it, you know, under the table, so to say, versus now people are much more outspoken about it and are able to literally just say that they're struggling with something and as a result more and more people are realizing that they're not alone in this type of thing that there's actually many people out there who are sharing a similar experience that they're feeling that they've never talked about and now it gives up gives this opportunity for there to be more conversations like this one that we're having and also just more panels and more board discussions and more you know group coaching or group work or things like that so I think it's it's interesting to see how the environment of it will probably shift as the narrative is shifting. Shifting. Exactly, right? Which is the same thing that we, I say we, again, because we're all in the same intention. We all want the story to shift, whether it is from a social work, therapist, coach, um consultant we all want the story to shift so it's beautiful that we're all holding the same intention and i think the intention is getting stronger and stronger nowadays so much more than before so all these shifts are possible which again just remind us what's possible within us right when we set this intention for ourselves and we are in alignment with what we want for ourselves within that intention shifts happen yeah Shift does happen powerfully for sure. And I know we've had this conversation uh, over lunch, but I mean, I would love for the listeners to know about really the shift that you're embodying this year and where you see yourself going into in 2022. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I was sharing with Alvi when we met at lunch that I recently dived into full time private practice as of December 17th of last year. And I'm recognizing through having this freedom, not only of the way I want to practice, but of my own time, that creativity comes in. And I'm able to catch, observe, indulge in these bouts of creativity that before I wasn't necessarily, quote unquote, paying attention to, right? So through this creativity and through this dance, I'm wanting and will bring forth more services that are resonating with me that I know through the experience I've had with clients are something that is going to serve them as well. So aside from the one-on-ones and aside from incorporating meditation, I also incorporate and will continue to incorporate more alternative healing modalities 
And that's in alignment because I consider myself an uh, outside-the-box therapist. So I incorporate a lot of different services that are not, quote-unquote, the classical therapist style. So alternative modalities include things like chakra balancing, which I am certified in, as well as regressions, which are very powerful, and things like connecting through the breath and grounding, a lot of grounding for for us in the space, aside from the one-on-ones and including these types of services. Also Reiki, which Alvi asked me about the other day, what is Reiki, right? Which is the universal life force energy. I also do Reiki practices. I'm also going to be offering and expanding into business coaching, but for employee wellness. So working with other agencies, one of, one of my passions has always been volunteering and giving back to the community. And I foresee now that I have the time going back to the prison system because the prison system is one of those systems that doesn't have the access or the resources that some of us might have out here. So I want to volunteer more and bring those services into organizations and institutions like that. And I used to work for a prison, so I know (laughs) the needs that might be there. And I'm looking forward to expanding that soon in this year as well. And once COVID is over, because COVID also has a lot of restrictions for institutions. So I'm going to go back into offering that to those types of populations. I have a wisdom gatherings, which this year marks the fourth year, starting the fourth year of my wisdom gathering community. And what that is that every month I meet somewhere in nature and offer a personal growth topic to just have a conversation around it, bring the different experiences from the people that are attending into awareness and just expand from that through the wisdom gathered from within the group. So for instance, this month we're starting with the topic in love and war since it's, you know, the whole month of love. So I am excited to bring back with wisdom gatherings and I'm going to be offering wisdom gatherings from February through October or November once a month, the fourth Saturday of the month. And aside from that, I have, you know, my own stuff for my clients. I was telling Alvi that I recently launched a connection call for previous clients so that we can connect, <laughs> tap into wins, challenges, and offer that back to the, to the community that trusted in me and that I want to give back to. And I'm always, always looking forward to connect with people in the community for collaborations, for public speaking, for events. So I am really excited for what's to come. No, you got so much to offer the world. So I can see, you know, why you'd be so excited. And I know the world is excited for you to be showing up in this way, which is absolutely amazing and absolutely powerful. Where can everyone listening find you online if they want to learn more about you, your services and everything that you're up to? Well, first option is my webpage. Right now, you can go to www.morethantherapy.lmhc, which stands for Licensed Mental Health Counselor. So I am more than therapy, so that's why that resonated with me. So morethantherapy.lmhc.com, and you can find a lot of information there. There's links to my wisdom gatherings, free resources, friends in the community. So it's not just about me. I love to share, and I love to bring awareness to what's out there. If you're not going to check out the web or you don't have access to a computer, you can also look at it 
through your phone or you can go to my IG. My IG is at Evolve In because again, we are all evolving from within. So at Evolve In. And for the Spanish speakers, I have a Facebook account which is also Evolve In. Now there's a, um, what's it called? The little line that separates, it's not. Oh, the underscore? The underscore, yeah. So it's evolve underscore in. And that's how you can find me on Facebook or through IG. And those are pretty much the social media formats that I use aside from the web. And you can also go to my Psychology Today profile. So you go to Psychology Today, which is a directory for therapists and social workers. And you can just put zip code, Miami, my name, Yariela Sequeira, and I'll come up and you can read a little bit about me there and it has a phone number for you to reach out. Boom, boom, boom. I love it. I love it. Everyone listening, please, please, please make sure to check out Yariela. Her work is absolutely amazing. And I love how she's taking just different healing modalities into her practice. And it's so well-rounded and it's something that I know anybody can benefit from uh yari would you say that there's like a specific type of person that you typically work with or is this open to anybody uh how do you view that i work with adults so 18 and up that's for now the age group that i am specializing in 18 and up and if you are somebody that wants to just empower yourself to vibrate at a higher frequency to re-own reclaim re-honor your story then i'm your girl Ooh, let's go let's go yeah i appreciate your time so much this was an amazing conversation and so many nuggets that so many people can benefit from. So I honor you and I appreciate you for coming on and sharing your magic. I honor you back because without you, I wouldn't have this format to share and connect and have this conversation with you and vent a little bit about, you know, the board and all these wonderful <laughs> intentions yeah. that me and other therapists are wanting to bring forth into reality. So thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to share. My pleasure, my pleasure. I'll catch you very soon. And everyone listening, have a phenomenal, phenomenal rest of the day. And always remember, you can too. I'm too, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>